Hello, and welcome to uh, Suited for Good podcast. Thank you for joining me, and today I'm really excited to share this episode with uh, Courtney Shriver, who is a friend of mine and, and also a volunteer coordinator with Catholic Community Services. And uh, she and I met uh, because our daughters play soccer together. And um, anyway, one thing led to another, and she has now helped us uh, uh, meet a couple of her clients at Catholic Community Services. And um, she's an awesome person. I, I think you'll really like this episode. So thanks for uh, joining, and enjoy the episode. Courtney. Welcome to the Suited for Good podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Are you really thankful? I mean, you just got done telling me that you you don't like talking about yourself. And yeah, I'm going to make you talk about yourself. I know. I know. It's okay. kind of my worst nightmare, but that's okay. Right. I'm here. Well, at least it's not like a video cast, right? It could be worse. Could be way worse. Right. Well, you're going to do great because I've, I've known you for a while now and you are just, you're just great. So... Anybody who listens to you is going to think you're great, so it's easy. <laughs> so we we know each other because our daughters play soccer. Yes. And uh, your daughter is a fierce competitor, a fierce goalie. Yes, Nora is a champ in, yes, the, she is. in the goal. <laughs> She's a fierce competitor, and then um, your son also has played basketball with my boys. So yes. We got a little bit of, uh, of a relationship, which is why we ended up uh, – having uh, some conversations about Suited for Good, and, mm -hmm. and uh, so we can talk about that connection a little bit later. Um, so what I would love to hear is just a little bit more, you know, you, where, where are you from, and yeah. all that stuff. Like, where, where were you born, okay. and what was family life like? Okay. Um, I grew up in Sugar House um, my whole life. Um, my parents divorced when I was six, and it was just me, my mom, and my sister for about 13 years, which was an interesting dynamic. We spent a lot of holidays, just the three of us, and I have really good memories of that. Um, Christmas was just us, because my mom is from New Jersey, and I remember like making milkshakes for breakfast on Christmas morning, because mm. that's what you do when it's just the three of you. So milkshakes for breakfast is my kind of breakfast. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I look forward to Christmas every year. So do you, do you carry that tradition on with your kids? Um, they're not big like milkshake drink drinkers either. So I know <laughs> I feel like I've done them a disservice in life actually. But yeah, so that's kind of my childhood. It was the three of us and my mom remarried um, when I was 14 and then my mom and my stepdad had a, a son when I was 16, and that added a new dynamic, which was wonderful and different. So it's kind of it. So you've got a younger brother who's 16 years younger than uh -huh. you. And how was your sister younger or older? My than sister's you? younger than me. I'm the oldest. Okay. Um, she's four years younger than me. So she was like 12 or 13 when he was born, and he was just this little. Just a sweet little baby. <laughs> so he had three mamas in the house. Pretty much. Yeah. And he still has three moms. So nice. poor kid. Nice. <laughs> so what was, uh, um, I mean, being the oldest, I yeah. mean, that makes sense why you're so put together and you got your, your career and all the things that you do. You're, you have to, I mean, we are, my oldest is, a, is Annie and she just kind of runs things. Yes. So 
Was that kind of your relationship um, in, in the home too? My role is was probably I was a little bit more passive. My sister, who's younger than me, actually probably was more of uh -huh. like the like we're gonna do this, and I kind of went with the flow and just tried to do what everybody wanted to do. So it's but funny how that. those roles and they kind of stick with us even even when we're adults. Oh yes. We, even if we want to change those roles in our family, it's hard to. Yeah, I'm still all about the fun. Yeah. I'm not as much about like structure. So she was the serious. Yes. You are you're about yes. fun. Okay. She actually says that I say, is that fun way too much? <laughs> was that fun? <laughs> Let's have fun. She hates it actually. Yeah. So. Because you're, you're the fun in the house. Yeah, sometimes. Okay. So. <laughs> so uh, what, what brought your mom from New Jersey? Like, oh, this why is New great. To, okay. To, to Sugar House, Utah. So my mom, um, you know, she's in her 70s and she wanted to be an audiologist and she applied for schools across the country for grad school but she saw that the University of Utah at the time didn't require an essay to get into the master's program so she applied yeah really and she, yeah and she, she just hates essays uh, I mean if you essays. don't have to write right. why do it right yeah, and so she um, moved out here fell in love with the sky because the sky like hmm. the blueness the wideness the vastness yeah. um, and that's because in New Jersey it's more trees and lots of people and things like that and so yeah. she just never left but she lived right by the U she waited tables at the village Inn at the bottom huh. of the hill yeah, right. so yeah. There. she just that was kind of her thing so then wow. she met my dad and that was it yeah so she never moved yeah. She, she loves it here still. So she's still here? Yeah, still in Sugar House. Did you, uh, so we both live in Sugar House. Mm -hmm. So you did you go to Highland High School? I did. Which is right in that area? Go yeah. Rams. Okay, <laughs> yep, all right. So, yeah, then, I went to Highland. So uh, after high school, where did you? My did you mom go was very much about going to college. Um, that's just how she was raised. Her dad was an attorney, her mom was a nurse, and you go to college. So that was never like, a question. Mm -hmm. I think I tried to say no once, and she was like, "No, you have to go to college." Yeah, and you're doing this. Yeah, so I went to Utah State and got my bachelor's degree in Parks and Recreation, and yeah, that's what I did. Do you like that show? I, Parks yes, and, and it's pretty accurate it? towards <laughs> the type of people who work in recreation. It's such a funny. We we got into that probably six years after, oh like it was already. Uh -huh. You know. Anyway, so hilarious. Yeah. Okay, it's so that you find that accurate. I do. Good. Uh, my friends who work in recreation also find it accurate. So you got your bachelor's, and you said at the U? Nope, part, at Utah State. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, it's that. okay. So Utah State, and you lived up in Logan? Lived up in Logan, and I met, um, I met a farmer and moved to Pennsylvania, got married, moved to Pennsylvania, and lived the farming life, had four kids. Well, Utah State is an agricultural Ag school, school mm -hmm. so it makes sense. You found a farmer. Yes, found a farmer uh -huh. and then did the farming thing. And unfortunately, our marriage didn't work out. And so I, um, when I was doing that reset, mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out what I was going to do, I moved back to Utah with my kids so I could be close to my family support system. And yeah. that's where I am. Yeah. Well, so. and for those who don't know, you're an incredible mom, oh, and your kids you. are incredible, and they're special. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're incredible people, and yeah. So uh, I, I, I think it's not easy, but obviously you're doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah, I like love being a mom. People ask me what my hobby is, and it's my kids. Like, mm. 
I have my full focus on them. And sometimes it's probably a little bit like obsessive, but I, there's nothing better than watching your kids compete in what they love, be it Dungeons and Dragons or sports or whatever. It's just that that just makes me proud. That's awesome. They don't even have to be the best. I just like to see them try. To try. Yeah. So your eyes light up when you talk about competition. Are you competitive? Did you do? Oh, my gosh. Did you, were you like? <laughs> well, I know enough to know. I've seen you at I'm games. I'm competitive. You're competitive. But did you, were you into sports? Um, I mean, you're. Nora's into soccer like what I did I liked I played tennis um, never at school but I still enjoy tennis and like pickleball I mean I will beat anyone just (laughs) there I'm calling everyone on yeah um but we'll leave Courtney's uh, email address if you (laughs) if you think you can beat her anybody wants to beat me it's pickleball um but I did I did play I played volleyball um, for a year, I did swimming for a year. Um, I played softball a long time, but when, once I got to high school, I kind of was, my mom said you either work or play sports and I chose work cause I wanted to earn money. Yeah. So, okay. So you did the bachelor's degree in, mm-hmm. um, parks and rec and what, so did you, uh, what you're doing now, like maybe kind of give me a career path. Okay. You know what I mean, so I mean, got married. Having, having four kids is a career yeah. in itself. I mean, it's, and it's I worked a lot. on the farm. Yeah. For a long time. Uh-huh. Um, then. Um, What'd you guys grow on the farm? A dairy. Oh, okay. We had cows. Dairy farm. Yeah, about three hundred head and a couple hundred heifers. Those are cows that haven't had babies. Yeah, they're pregnant, but they haven't had babies. But mm. um, we did that, and then um, when the kids were all older. I started working in the school, so I started subbing, um, and then just did that until I was in the schools. It was an, it was a nice way to be there and not have to be there. Um, so then when I moved back, um, I started working in the schools, and a principal was like trying to get me to go back to school, and I was like, I can't do that with four kids. It was yeah. just been too hard. And so I went to uh, teaching preschool for low-income families. I worked at Utah Community Action, which is another nonprofit, um, which I loved. It was really diverse. Um, We got to learn about different cultures and help people to like teach their kids English and get them stabilized and like food insecurity, all these things that we were dealing with. And then COVID, COVID happened. Um, Everything was shut down. And my parents were my main care, like caregivers for my kids while I was at work. And so I decided to take a remote job with Utah Community Action doing housing. So during the housing, like the COVID crisis, um, we were helping people who couldn't pay their rent. That ranged from people who were waiters and waitresses to um, pilots, because they were no longer flying. So. Um, that was a really neat thing to work in. Um, and then my supervisor there, her name's Jamie Castleton, she saw in me that I was really good at um, managing clients. And so she asked me if I wanted to work, start down at the, the Wigan Center, which is a day shelter for those experiencing homelessness mm. in Salt Lake. So I started down there. And wow that's where my connection with Catholic Community Services came in. So, so 
I mean, it's in, I mean, we're in Salt Lake City, Utah, mm -hmm. you know, and I think unless for a lot of people, they're not looking for it. It's like, what do you mean food insecurity? And yeah. what do you mean homelessness? Or, you know, it's, there's to talk more about that. Like how much of a need is there? And especially with kids, I mean, that's. Um, I think especially COVID, I think the, the, the thought of having food insecurity in the United States became a lot more real. I remember when um, the shutdown happened, the schools kept serving lunch. You could go pick yeah. up lunch and yep. it was free for everybody. And then Highland High School somehow got connected with, you could get a food box. Do you remember those letters they sent? You probably yeah. don't, but yeah, yeah they yeah. had, they had, it was something, um, the president at the time was Donald Trump and he had put a special money to do these food boxes. I don't know how Highland got connected with it, but you know, you could go and they would give you like a, a case of eggs, um, gar a gallon of milk, some cheese, just some random yeah. things, staple foods. Basics, yeah. yeah. Because I think that was one of the biggest things was seeing how, you know, if you worked in um, like a service profession, your, your income was cut. Yeah. And so I think that food insecurity became a lot more like forefront then, like people saw it. And so that helped, I think, bring to light more of the needs that are in our community. But those, can, those needs have been there before COVID, before any of those things, that there are kids who don't have food to eat. Was it a shock to you as you started, because you started doing preschool substitution, right? And then yes. Did it, was it something that you, like, if you look back five years, you know, from today, five years ago, would you have seen the path that no. you have taken? Absolutely not. It was interesting because when I, so I worked in housing at the Wigan for another agency. And then this position as a volunteer coordinator came open and I was going to the interview and I was still pretty like, I was still pretty damaged. I still felt very broken from the divorce and not feeling like, um, I've spoke with other women about this, but after you stay home, you feel like you're just a mom. You don't really have anything to put on your application, like on your yeah. resume. And you're yeah. like, what am I supposed to put on here? You know? And so I Which was, is a horrible thing. It's terrible. Uh, my wife said, has said the same thing and it's like, you know, especially we can say, well, yeah, but you've done this, this, and this, and this, and this, but uh, it doesn't land. It's it not quantifiable. It, it's not quantifiable, even though so much of our community, uh, I mean, everything our everything in our city and mm -hmm. our in our communities relies on on having a parent that's available. Available. Yeah. And you know, I mean, the biggest crisis have been from a lack of parenting. Yes. And, Anyway, so sorry. Not, so, not no, to that's no. I think that that's what a lot of stay-at-home so moms, and especially like recently single moms. I think we go into this and we're like, "What am I going to bring to the table?" And so I went to this interview, and um, I didn't know my boss very well. His name's Randy, and um, the director of our HR department was there. And I walked in and I said. I've been trying to think how my degree is tied to being a volunteer coordinator. And the biggest thing is, is that, um, you know, volunteering is recreation. Recreation huh. is anything outside of your job, right? That uh -huh. you find enjoyable. Hmm. And so then after I like realized like, 
I am like qualified for this. Then I got really confident in it and I've kind of flourished. So, so. what is a volunteer coordinator so job what, and title? So know? what I do is um, I work at St. Vincent's Dining Hall mainly and the Wiegand Center. It's called Basic Needs Salt Lake. And we prepare, in our kitchen, we prepare 2,000 meals a day for the homeless living in Salt Lake. So we only have six uh, cooks in our kitchen, and then the rest is supplemented with volunteers. So I help bring volunteers in, I help engage them, and make sure that we have like enough or not too many, those types of things. And I just coordinate with the different managers on site to see how we can utilize volunteers to better serve our clients. So, so you're basically managing volunteers. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. how that's got to be like herding cats. It's amazing, right? Because you can't, like, I, I would assume, I don't know, but I would assume, like, well, you can't demand, hey, you need no. to be, you, you know, you need to be here by nine. That's the shift, uh -huh. right? So tell me more about that. Well, it's been interesting because um, we actually have a lot of collaboration with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, they send us volunteers every day from 3 to 5 p.m. Uh -huh. um, I collaborate with other local churches. Um, I have a different parish. Those are uh, Catholic churches that come um, every, almost every day for lunch is filled with a different church. And so we're really fortunate to have um, volunteer base that is like, people want to help, right? People want to help, they just need to be told how. So I have a lot of people that reach out to me and they're just asking me, you know, what do you need or how can we help? And then, and then I wrangle that into something that they can do. Um, one of the biggest things that I did this year was because we didn't have enough dinner spaces. Everybody wants to bring their uh, their like sorority or their youth group from church or you know their basketball team. Um, they want to bring them so they can experience like serving others, which is really important. Um, but we only have so many dinner services available a night, and the window is really tight. It's 4:30 to 6:30, and we can't flex it because that's. We want people to know where food is and when it's available. Yeah. And so um, I created this sandwich program. Um, during COVID, we were making quantities of sandwiches off site. And so I talked to our kitchen manager and was like, can we continue this? And mm. so we just, people bring us sandwiches and it's a way to like get the community involved. Um, if they live close by, I'll go and talk to their group about what we do and why we do it, just because I think it brings awareness to something that's uncomfortable. Hmm. So that's awesome. It's so, fun. So you've so you continued this thing that yeah. So anybody can make sandwiches and contact you and so and we figure, provide at least in the Salt Lake the Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah they can contact me. Uh -huh. um, we provide we can provide we can usually provide the product except for Ziploc bags. And then they can come to me and we can um, discuss like quantity, uh, base it all based off of their numbers. Um, and just like if, how old the kids are. My daughter made sound, my eight year old, my youngest is eight and they were asking, somebody asked her what she wanted to do oh, for her birthday. <laughs> and so she had a couple of her little girlfriends get together and they made sandwiches. They made eight, wow. but it was super but cute. 
the thought uh -huh. that we want to help somebody for my birthday. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, I want to make sandwiches for the homeless and um, or people experiencing homelessness. And then she mm. put little stickers. We decorated the bags, and it was it was a good experience because I think that like I think serving others is one of the most important things we can do in life. Um, it gives us different perspective. It makes us value ourselves differently. Um, it makes you see other people as humans that sometimes we might not so I re that really that really hits me because I think um, I had a conversation with another guest on the podcast that we were just talking about uh, how important compassion is because mm -hmm. it's really it's really easy especially in, in America to say well in America anybody can do anything and you know if you're if you're not you know if you're not doing it, well, you know, get a job. It's your problem. Go, go, yeah. you know, pick yourself up and do it. Go, go get a job or whatever. And, and like, we, we have no idea. We have no idea what other people are going through, or what they've been through, what their childhood looked like, and what that, what yeah. decisions that led them to. And so, I love that this the service aspect. I, I believe that. Well, and there's nothing like um, coming down there and serving people that um, are usually overlooked. You know, we, we um, homelessness is uncomfortable. So the people that we are serving um, are, are overlooked a lot in society. And this is a place where they get eye contact, they get a hello and they're grateful for a hot meal. And it's like, I don't know, it's a really great place. I just like it. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you feel the same now that you did when you were trying to fill out your no. your resume? Like, oh, I can't, you know, like I'm not no. my, my parent, whatever. I know. So how do you feel now? Like, you know what I mean? I actually was just like looking at my resume the other day and I, you know, you actively add to it and things like that. And like I wrote down and then I, I just, like my confidence is through the roof. Like I, I know that I am an asset to anybody who is, able to have me as an employee because I am willing to jump in and do anything. But that also comes from really good management. Like my boss, he, I'll go to him with an idea and he's like, do it, yeah. you know? And he never, he lets me like just, cause he knows I'm going to do the, the right thing, but yeah, he lets me just kind of flourish and run my own little yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome because I think that, like you said, uh, mothers who have or fathers, I mean, as you've, you've been in the home raising kids. Uh, yeah. yeah, it feels like you haven't, it's like, man, I, like I've said to Katie, like, are you kidding me? You've, you've, you've orchestrated four kids. You've organized countless, I mean, all those skills that, those are, those it's are very valuable skills, mm -hmm. not only with dealing with people, dealing with other parents, dealing with kids, like there's, there's just a lot of organizational you have to have a lot of organizational skills to do that. And so it does, it definitely applies. For and sure. Yeah. Katie and I have actually discussed that. Yeah. I wasn't gonna, but yeah. Well, she I'm and sure, I, I'm sure she, she and I have had yeah. huge conversations yeah. about that, yeah. about like self-worth after staying home yeah. and just like feeling, like realizing that like you can really do anything because as a parent, as like the stay at home parent, you learn how to like make things happen. You know, you learn how to manage the complex schedules. You learn how to do yeah. all those things. And I don't know, it's a skill for sure. It is 100%. <laughs> just, just keeping things straight. 
So tell me, um, and maybe just to, to draw into how we, we were able to uh, start a partnership with our Super Good and uh, yeah. Cap, uh, so Catholic Community Services. and yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I've learned I'm really good at is I'm really good at talking to people. Uh-huh. And so you and I were sitting at a game once, yeah. and I told Soccer you about, game. yes, yeah. and I told you about where I worked and what I did, and I think you had told me about Suited for Good, and I just told you about our Kitchen Academy. So what the Kitchen Academy is, is CCS recognized that like we can employ people, but if they're making 12 or $13 an hour, they are not going to be, that's not like a sustainable wage, right? And so we created the Kitchen Academy where the, uh, it's a 12-week uh, culinary training program. Um, the clients come in, they study uh, like culinary skills, learn how to plate food, how to cut food, all of that. And when they come out, they come out with a managerial level of food handler's permit called a safe serve or serve safe. I never get it right. But um, so I had talked to you about like, hey, would you be interested in doing the suited for good? And we started like, that's when we started our discussion. Yeah. So it's been good. Which I love. Yeah. It's and been I, really and good. Um, you know, our suited for good program is has always been trying to find the right recipients. Mm-hmm. It's never been about how many can we give away or whatever. It's like, how do we how do we find the right people who have, uh, and you and I talked, I remember we talked that day about how one of our first recipients was a homeless person that, you know, he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't ready, he, he didn't have a home, he didn't have so many of these basic things. And yeah, it made us feel good to put him in a, a suit and tailor it and get him a haircut and have him look like a million bucks. but. You know, it wasn't it wasn't helpful to him. Yeah. And so, nor nor was he ready for that. And nowhere to hang it. And nowhere to even yeah. I mean, there's nowhere to even. So it's like uh, our suited for good program when we can find people who are are in the same um, we're definitely in the same mindset of like stabilizing people. Like making yeah. sure that they're stable and then ready for the next step. Yeah, of getting finding a suit. people, finding people, finding organizations that are in the same vein as us who who want, who are, who are really trying to help people change their lives and get to a better spot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the the real work is with what you do, you know, and part and organizations like like you that are helping people that go from a homeless situation to finding some secure, like finding some shelter, finding just these basic needs. And especially in this program where you train them to have this managerial expertise to go in and do. Well, what's crazy about this program is, um, so one time I went to seek out a donation from a local Chick-fil-A. We wanted the the students in the program to experience a day of like um, self-care. So I contacted one of the local Chick-fil-A's and I asked, you know, if they would be willing to give them like a a little gift card so they could have a day where they could be normal. They could go sit, they could have a little lunch, go walk through the park or go to a store and like window shop, whatever. But just to have those experiences of like, like this is what you do when you have a day off. You take care of yourself. And I went up there and the, uh, manager of the Chick-fil-A was like, 
we need your, because I had told him what our program was, and he's like, yeah. we need your students. Interesting. Because I didn't know this, but in order for any restaurant to open, they have to have someone on site with this managerial level, the serve safe or safe serve. Yeah. I really should figure out which order it is. <laughs> but, um, and he was talking, he was like, gave me their whole benefit package. And like, he was like trying to sell yeah. his job for me. Yeah. And I went back and I told these students, I'm like, when you guys are done, you are going to, you are highly desired. Yeah, you're gonna have a job. And they have like, I, I came out of it feeling the same way when I didn't have no. any experience and didn't feel like I was an asset. Yeah. And so I was like, you guys need to know that like this is, mm. they want you. Everywhere wants you. Yeah. And so that was like super cool. But That's got to be so fulfilling for you to be just an integral part of that, that process. Yes. And to see kind of from start to finish. And yeah. So have we, um, have, have we had have we had recipients that yeah. have been outfitted and not to dive into details or whatever, but so we've how had has that impact been for them? You it's know been I mean? great. So how we, we did it was um, sometimes we have large classes. And so we wanted to make sure that uh, Utah Wool and Mill could like um, accommodate like our need without putting a strain on your staff. And so what we came down to was the top three students of a class. Um, this cohort, we only have, uh, one student that would be eligible, which is fine. Um, and so, but what they had to do was they have to, it was the top three scores was how we gauged it. And everyone still gets something because I have other resources that I use um, for different really fancy thrift shops in the area and things like that. But we wanted this experience to be really special and something that they really worked hard for. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to one of the recipients um, when, when Nikki had messaged me about this. Um, I said, you know, I said, you got one of those suits, didn't you? He's like, yes. I said, how does it make you feel? And he said, it makes me feel, what did he tell me? He said, it makes me feel um, valued. Hmm. He said, and it was interesting because he wears it everywhere. Like, Does like he? I took him to get, yeah. Love it. Like, not like just like to like sit and watch TV or something, but he wore it. I took him to get fingerprinting for his new job and he had it on and you could tell the confidence was there. And he just was like, you know, sitting proudly yeah. when I was driving him to the place. And you just see the difference that having a nice outfit, when you dress nice, you feel good, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's exactly what it did for him. And I think it's interesting too. I remember when we first started out on this and we talked to uh, a nonprofit that was helping us and, and he just mentioned, he just said, you know, I, I guess you don't need, I guess if you're interviewing for McDonald's or something, that you, you wouldn't really need a suit. Or, and I said, well, uh, because he was thinking, well, it just has to be white collar jobs or something. And it's, and I, I just, I said, wait a sec. I think actually, if you think about it, if I've got two applicants and I'm a uh, McDonald's manager, I have two applicants and one comes to the interview dressed, if they're overdressed, but they, they look like they're put together and they tried, they look serious and they tried mm -hmm. versus somebody else who just kind of showed up. I mean, I, even, even if it's just, uh, you know, uh, flipping burgers. It's like, well, but who, who of these two people has demonstrated without even saying a thing that they really want, that they really want this. Mm -hmm. And so that makes me happy to hear that, yeah. that, he's, that he's wearing it. And oh, he wears it and yeah. he's proud of himself. Yeah. And that like, I think is worth 
I mean, that's worth anything is to see people who have never felt value to feel value. And I relate to that. And that's like, I think one of the biggest things when I started working down there, my mom was like, what are you doing? You know, I grew up in Sugar House. We really didn't go downtown um, and all those things. And I told my mom, I said, we're all one step away from homelessness. One domestic violence situation, one health crisis or mental health crisis. The difference for us is we have families that are able to help us. And that's the truth of all of these situations. Because you said, you know, you don't can't judge because you never know someone's story you don't know and i i also agree with what you said being a step away it's it that that is why it's so important to have compassion and to not be in a spot where we're trying to you know put our judgments on somebody Mm -hmm. why they're not into this position or that position and you just never know no you just never know but i thank you for sharing that it's uh you know the impact that's why that's why we want the recipients, we want that connection. You know, we, we, I, we talked about it that day that it isn't about just donating a bunch of suits. It's like, where, where's that impact? And, you know, having him come in and get fitted and having him being treated like somebody who's spending a lot of money for a suit and still getting the same fitting experience and the same customer service and everything. It's like, it, that's what matters is, yeah. How, how you make people feel and and I agree with you when when you want when you want to do great you you dress great you do your best you know so yeah that's cool that's well a really good thank thing. you for sharing that and I uh, it's it's crazy we're about out of time which this has gone by so quickly thanks and you said <laughs> that you weren't good or you didn't like public speaking and I'm just going to call you out on that and your pickleball playing because you're super easy to have a podcast conversation with and and I really admire you for the work oh, you do thank and you. and so if somebody wants to get involved how do they contact you um, um they can go to ccsutah.org and there's a tab that says volunteering and it'll take you to different opportunities within the agency because um, we have Basic Needs Salt Lake, Basic Needs Ogden. Ogden's really a neat facility because they actually deal with, um, they have the largest food pantry in the state of Utah. Hmm. Um, and they're able to help families that are experiencing food insecurity. And it's an amazing place too. But, and then there's also the refugee side, which is a little bit more complex to volunteer with, but if you can get in, it's good. So, but yeah, go to ccsutah.org and then click on St. Vincent's Dining Hall if you want to come see me. All right. You can challenge me there to the pickleball. We can go down. Just (laughs) just throw down right there. Like, just get the right in the floor. I always, I've, I've actually been joking that they should get me, they should paint some lines in our parking lot, but. I have a feeling that's going to happen. It's not. You kind of. The director it sounds said like you no. kind of get what you <laughs> no. what you want over there. But so. I heard they might put some in at Pioneer Park, so that would be really cool. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that'll happen. But love it. Thank well, you. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for spending your time with me, thanks. and thanks for joining us on the podcast. It was good. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. All right, BJ. That wasn't terrible. <laughs>